Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Holiday Leftovers Part 3, Patience, recorded Sunday, November 19th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. What are you going to leave behind when all the parties are done and you're sitting there in January going, wow, what a, whirl, what a whirlwind that was. What do you want to leave? We got started last week in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says that the most excellent, really the only way to live if you're a Christian is, to be, is the way of love. It's love. And we're taught the way of agape, as the Greek says it. And that's the God way of love. The God way of love is it looks out for others. That's how God is. It, it's, it's, the, it's the love for others. What's best for those that you're going to do holidays with? And what are we going to leave behind when it's all said and done? So, because you know what? If love is missed, then I miss so Paul writes this, and now I will show you the most excellent way, and this is the way, the, the, the way of love. And by the way, I want to challenge you to something. It won't be hard, but it might change the way this month works for you. I want to challenge you to read 1 Corinthians 13. It's only 13 verses. Read it at least once a week, maybe a couple times. And as you're doing that, just make sure you take a little time to stop and pause and then see what God brings to you. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a person and how you can live out love this month. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13, his psalm of love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and even surrender my life to hardship that I can boast, but I, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. A couple things about that. For, for the entire first part of this book, this, this letter that he wrote to this church in Corinth, he had been talking about some of the things that had happened in that church that made it a little less than loving in the way at least that God creates love for us. So he talked about, he talks about, for instance, people who are messing up in their personal lives and not trusting God with their relationships. He talks about how the church had become kind of a cheap version of love at times. Anybody got this going on? I got to take a cough drop here in just a second. Thank you. Cheap version that comes through hedonism and through selfishness. And then Brendan talked about how in their, in their community, they had a temple that was dedicated to the goddess Aphrodite. It was a prostitution temple. And so you know it was wrecking human beings and lives, those who were involved with it. And so he also addresses some other issues like the church itself, as they gathered to share the Lord's Supper together, there was selfishness going on there where rich people were eating well and poor people were getting nothing. And then a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the gifts of the church and how, you know, we all have gifts to bring 
There are things that we can do, things that God's empowered us with that are special to us, generosity that we can perform in because we're blessed that way. And you say, you're the body of Christ. We all need to bring that to each other so that we can serve Jesus with it. And so in this particular small passage of the first three verses of chapter 13, he's addressing another issue. He's addressing the issue where there's actually really great leadership that happens and really powerful things that happen through leaders. And we can kind of miss the boat on that. Like we can elevate people that don't, des- don't deserve to be elevated because they're not gods. They're just people who are gifted to bring what we need. So he talks about those who came with, with the ability, the miraculous ability to speak their language. They never learned the language, but they could speak the language and bring the good news to them. And that's pretty special. I can't tell you how many times I've thought, I wish I knew Spanish. I wish God would just plop that one on me because I could use that. Or Swahili when we're in Africa. That would be great. I don't have it, but it'd be great. And then there's, there's those who, who deliver the message about grace, the preachers, the prophets, and they're gifted people, and they bring something to us that we desperately need, this message that makes it possible for you to be right with God. But you can see how you might elevate those people to a position they don't deserve, or that they might think themselves they deserve something that they don't deserve. And then what about those who are just so courageous that they'll just go to places where I'm not going to go? Like they're going to actually pull up stakes and go to a faraway place and they're going to take the word of Jesus with them and they're going to, you know, the missionaries, those kinds of people who, who lead that way. And they're amazing. But, and, and Paul is not saying that those people are bad or wrong or evil, just the contrary. All he's saying is, that words without love is just noise. Leaders without love, well, what do you have to show for it? Sacrifice without love, what's that going to gain? Nothing. Nothing. So now he gives us the poem. Here it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight with evil, but rejoices with the truth. Here are the always statements. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. He says, you know, when I was a child, I, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I, I reasoned like a child. He's just saying to them and probably to us today, he's saying, look, grow up. Because we're not children anymore. We are men and women who are Christ in. So I put childhood behind me and I act like an adult Christian. <laughs> because... That, that's kind of a reflection, that thing that, you know, that, that I live in this kind, of, this kind of spiritual but not real world. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. When it's all said and done, this is what's going to be left. Faith, 
hope and love. But what's the greatest one? Love. Love is the way. There is no other way for us to live and really live. And then he spends a few verses describing what that looks like in real time. And the very first verb he throws at us is that little word called patience. And how's that going for you? Like the kind of leftovers you're going to leave with your family over the next month. He says, let one of them be patience. I mean, we're going into tis the season. Like think about this. Like, like, what do the holidays bring? And some awesomeness. I mean, I hope for you some awesome stuff. You know, families gathering and some traditions that you like during this time and they're, they're meaningful to you. I hope you have fun with people that you love and care about and some activities that create that. I hope that you have opportunities to be generous because this is the season for that. We see it here at Third City where people just are willing to step forward in new ways with generosity. That's a good thing. What about taking a little time to slow down and just to reflect at the end of a challenging year? Take some time if you have some time to do so or make the time if you don't. See, a healthy balance in this time includes patience. Because most of us want that. I mean, I, there's probably not a person here who would say, yeah, I'd like to have all that. Okay. But you know what also is coming? Hectic schedules. Uh, travel. You know, especially young families who are, you know, gathering kids. And, you know, it seems like you have to pack half your house just to go down to grandma's house, you know. It's tough. I, I remember those years. I don't envy you. There's beauty in it, but there's also challenges. It's, it's trying to coordinate and plan with other people who have plans and have, have vision for this time. And you want to, you know, you want to fit in that. And that can be frustrating. And patients can get pushed. There's the pressure that some of us feel to deliver. Like we have to deliver. We have to be the ones who make it happen. And because of that, it stretches us. It stretches our money. It stretches our time stretches us emotionally. And we also know this happens in the month of December from, from Thanksgiving till the end of the year, till over the end of the year, actually. The increase of consumption of food and alcohol. It puts pressure on us. And then there's just this willingness to take a break and say, I don't want to get sick because sickness comes at this time of year. You know, our immune systems get beat up and then it, we become susceptible to all these gatherings and all these things. And mo many forms of sickness occur, as you know, in the next month or two. So i got to have some patience in this. And the word in Corinthians is translated long-suffering in other versions. It's, it's long-suffering is going to the maximum before you, you reach agitation or anger. Long-suffering, going to the max with others before you get angry. It's often used in the Bible. It's several passages that talk about patience. Here's some of them. Proverbs 14, 29. Patience makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. Ever been there? Don't use an elbow at this point. Romans 12, 2. Be 
joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. In Galatians 5.23, talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And on the top four, patience makes the list. <laughs> John Mark Comer wrote a book that challenges us to eliminate the hurry that's destroying our souls. And it's a good book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And what he's just saying is, if you're going to love deeply, you got to find some patience for people. He talks about the need for patience in this world that's so frantic. And he even, he, he has a really good chapter that discusses how the, the, the cell phone really pushes us to the limit when it comes to our relationships with each other. And he talks about how it obliterates patience. And what it does is it fills up all those little moments when you could be reflective and when you could be listening, when you could be, you know, thinking about things that are happening and, and how to have peace in your inner being in those things. And, and, and he makes this statement. He says, you first have a choice. Then you have a character. I just wonder if maybe if we would just all choose this month to not let that little phone just suck up all of our spare time so that we can hear each other, so that we can listen to what's happening around us, and so we can react in positive ways to, to the things that are challenging others. He says this, love takes time Hurry doesn't have it. See, it's contrary to our human nature to, to be patient. Otherwise, we wouldn't be commanded to do it. We, we like to avoid the suffering that comes from patience, from inconvenience. The suffering that, has, that comes from having to wait for things. We don't like waiting. Rosemary Sword and Philip Zimbardo wrote a book called The Time Cure. And they, and they mentioned something that Americans are very susceptible to called hurry sickness. Are you suffering from hurry sickness? Here's a little test for you. Moving from one checkout line to another because that one looks just a little bit shorter. Ever done that? 12 times last week. I'm talking about myself. Counting the cars in front of you, either getting in the lane that has the least or the one that I think is going the fastest. Anyone? You bunch of liars. Uh, <laughs> multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks. Have you done that before? Yeah, three times yesterday probably, right? Getting in, into the front of the line on Black Friday to get the $99 smart TV and killing someone to do it. I mean, you know, come on, we, we know. Oh, by the way, Black Friday, it's now two months long. Don't be in such a hurry. Okay, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything anymore. As I say those things, I, I, I kind of think, I hope they're not following me around, you know, because that pretty much is me. That's the Western life, okay? And now here's another thing. Somebody think, well, man, wait a minute, I love this time of year. Like, I love the, I love the intensity. I love the, the adrenaline I get from it. I, okay, but there's a warning that comes with it, and you have to be aware of this. There's symptoms of hurry sickness, irritability hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, 
nonstop work and activity. It's not just work at work. It's also just your nonstop flow in life. Emotional numbness. Out of order priorities. Escapist behaviors. I just got to get away. Slipping into spiritual disunion with God. And, and just a simple lack of care for your body and your health. And ultimately, it can lead to isolation, as you say, I've had it with people, and I don't want to do it anymore. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Now, that word's very foreign to me. I, it's, I think it's ironic that Paul starts the list of love with patience. I think it's ironic and necessary because I don't know about you, I don't suffer from not having stuff. I'm not the richest guy in the world, but you know, I'm going to eat every day if I want to. I have a nice home to go home to, and it's comfortable, and it's got heat, at least for now, and it's working okay for me, and it's a shelter for me. It's a place my family can be safe. My suffering doesn't come from the, from the things that most of the world suffers from, which is lack of things. Neither does yours. Our suffering comes from having so much, from having privilege, because privilege brings stress. Privilege brings anxiety. It brings impatience. It does. Materialism. And, 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 and patience, it doesn't, it doesn't eliminate materialism. But it can help us to find ourselves in the moment where we need to be. Because, you know, it's a well-documented fact that Americans are less happy today than they were in the 1950s. It's established that, for instance, women... You know, women have more opportunities than ever. Women have more ways to succeed. Women have more power than they've ever had culturally in America. And it's well documented that women are less happy in 2023 than they were in 1955. Because here's what happens. And it's not just women, it's all of us. Because we have this anxiety, we've got to find ourselves, we've got to be ourselves, we've got to protect ourselves, we've got to justify ourselves, we've got to win. Social status, it comes from performance. So what patience brings, if we'll live in it, if we'll experiment with it, is balance. Balance between, you know, the, the good of, of a holiday season and the overextension that we can oftentimes get sucked into. Comer says this, he says, long-suffering is the primary means by which we become people of loving character. It creates wisdom, compassion, humility, forgiveness, and ultimately love. That's why it's at the top of the list. See, love is possible when there's patience. So how do I get there? Because, you know, all this sounds right. Like, I bet you're sitting there going, yeah, I could be more patient, that'd be good. There's probably not a person here who, th who thinks that wouldn't be a good thing if you had more patience or if the people you love and want to be around had more for you. <laughs> okay, how do we get there? This is what you can do about it. First of all, pray. You're like, yeah, I'm in church. They always say that first, pray. Like it's going to answer every problem. I'm not saying that. But you can start to trust God with your celebrations. You can say to God, these are my hopes and my dreams for what's coming up. 
and I want you to refine them. Because the holiday season can be a time when you trust God with the moments. And you can let him, you know, ask him for protection. Ask him in prayer to protect you and your family from the things that can assault your family at this time. Because the devil is very active in the holiday season. Now, your family may or may not center Thanksgiving and Christmas around your blessings as a Christian person. And so you know there's going to be times when you're going to be pushed because other people have spiritual values. So how do you handle that? Start by praying, Lord, guard my tongue. Lord, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry because that guy really makes me mad. Plan. Proverbs 20, 12, 20 says, those who plan have peace and joy. Those who plan peace have joy is actually how it's said. So you decide, you plan, you think forward and say, I'm going to make sure that what I'm involved with, I have an opportunity to bring joy and peace to it. You be that person. Psalm 24 says that fulfilled experiences come in part from successful plans. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. I mean, what does it do to you when you start thinking about the next month and all the things that are before you? And like you get a knot in your stomach and I mean, I got to get everything done. It's, all, it's, it's, it's my responsibility to, you know, to, to do this. I mean, how am I going to bless others? And, and that means I got to do everything for them. You know, people do that kind of stuff. Listen, what if I finally decide that I am not Santa Claus and the magic elf that makes everyone else happy? What if I plan on how I'm going to bless others, but at the same time not see myself as everyone else's sugar plum fairy? Because that's not my job. But I am to bring patience. That is my job. Do you tend to overcommit? Are you that person? Here's a simple suggestion. Talk to your spouse first. Get your calendar synced up. Listen to them and say, you know, they might have some dreams that don't match up with yours about how they want this time to be for them. I mean, it might be that, you know, together you are refining the opportunities before you, right? Just think about it. Can you see how patience starts with healthy expectations? I mean, for instance, remember the reason for the season. I mean, it's just very simple. When we're coming into December, here is the reason. For unto us a child was born. That's why this all started. Let's get back there. Thanksgiving. What is the reason for the season? Thanksgiving. It's pretty simple. Thanksgiving and Christmas don't have to be about travel and parties and presents. They can be about something bigger and better and simpler. Loving people. To do that, you may need to reject ego. Could it be that, could it be that you aren't God? Could it be that it's not your job to please everyone else? 
Could it be as the fact is it's not their job to please you either? Making everyone happy during the holidays is impossible. Can you accept that? What if you entered December with this question in your heart? It's right from the scripture, Galatians 1.10. Am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Recent Gallup poll said that American shoppers will spend about $1,000 on Christmas. Most of that, us, that's a big stretch. And we shouldn't do it. Because we're going to have stress later because we did it. Remove the pressure. Don't do it. Refuse to overspend. Don't overbuy. Here's the gift that the season's really all about. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. He's the giver of the gift. We patiently accept it and live in it. Relax in what's good. Don't try to do everything. As Job puts it in chapter 34, verse 4, let us know among ourselves that God is good. I, I like the traditions. I like, I like, you know, I like this month. I liked, I was downtown on Friday night with the downtown Christmas. It was great. Just loved it. It was a good spirit. Saw a lot of friends, a lot of people. Beautiful. Loved it. Didn't feel stressed out at all. But I didn't have any expectations either. And I kind of went into a working on a sermon on patience for about a week. So, you know, I was probably there too. But I relaxed in it, and it felt different to me than it has at, in, at other times. Love comes out of that, and I think people could probably read that from me too when they, when they encountered me. Patience is a state that creates relaxation. Live in it. Because you don't overextend, you don't overspend, and you, you take control. You plan. You can't take control of the expectations. So what if we didn't spin our wheels when it comes to next week? What if we pulled back enough to listen? What if we I don't have mine on me, thank God. What if we took that cell phone and just said, you know what, that can go over there for about a day when we're with our family on Thursday. We don't need it. But I need them. And I need to hear them. They might need to hear something from me. What if? What if we removed the pressure? What if we relaxed as we flip the pages of the calendar into a new year because we look forward to what's coming rather than dreading what just left us. That can happen. We can leave that behind. Lord, as we commune together, we're grateful that we can come to your place, to your special feast, a feast of love where the word patience lives loudly. The patience of a God who loves us so much that he, that you waited for the right moment, just the right time, the perfect time in history to step into it and save us. A patience of a God who waits for us to meet him here in this moment. We're grateful, Lord. We celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you some questions to 
believe me, these will be very challenging if you actually take my challenge to do this. But uh, if you will approach this with humility and, and great patience, it could be transformational for you in the next month. And, and this is the way to, to use this. Now, if you're in a small group and you do, you do our curriculum on, uh, on, uh, on our app, um, the, it's, uh, thank you, Church Center app, you you can go to the to the small group curriculum and whether you're in a group or not you can use it but but these are five questions we're going to post all month and and, and not don't just ask yourself these questions although you should but if you really want to be courageous ask your spouse to answer these questions on your behalf or your child or your parent or your best friend someone who you trust here are the questions am i harsh do i have to win Am I self-centered more often than I should be? Do I have a short fuse? Am I cynical? You take that inventory and you keep asking yourself those questions and something happens. You start seeing yourself in a mirror. And it's not a bad mirror, it's a good mirror. It's where love shows up and it starts to change you. I want to challenge you to that. You can go to that app, Church Center app. Go into our groups area of that app. You'll find those questions. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.